Welcome to episode 7 of The Shape of Money, a podcast by IE Digital. In today's show, we discuss open banking with Ed Molyneux, CEO and co-founder of cloud-based accounting software Free Agent. And Steph Barker will join us briefly to regale us with stories of great bakes and great cakes for our recent Stand Up to Cancer Bake Off. First, I invited Ed Molyneux onto the show in light of recent changes to how accounting software free agent uses open banking. We discuss keeping up with legislation, bank feeds, challenger banks, and small business banking. So, hi, Ed. Welcome to the show. Hi, sir. How are you? Uh, so let's introduce Free Agent and let's talk about open banking. For those who don't know, Free Agent is is cloud-based accounting software and is one of the most popular names in the industry. You guys were set up in Scotland, right? That's right. So we actually founded the company back in the prehistory of 2007. Um, and one, I, I guess we were one of the, the first players in the industry here in the UK um, and we've been around for nearly 13 years uh, doing this, yeah. And we're based in, been based in Edinburgh since the start. An accent of um, geography rather than deliberate choice. You can probably tell by my accent. I'm not, not <laughs> Scottish by, by birth. Uh, I actually grew up in London. I just happened to be in uh, moved near Edinburgh with my uh, you know with my young family at the time, and um, and that's when things got started. Yeah, well, I tend to think, I don't know about you, but in technology, I tend to think of things uh, pre iPhone and post iPhone. And you're right on the dot. I think the iPhone was 2007. That's right, and um, uh, it was also you know, in lots of ways not a great time to be starting a, a business with all the sort of financial stuff going on. But I do sort of think, you know, if you can get a business started and going, even in those kinds of times, then um, then you've got something. You definitely got something pretty resilient. Yeah, obviously, a year before the the the, the crisis. Yeah. So, yeah. how many employees have you got at the moment? We are had another another seven joined today. Um, so, uh, up at over two hundred, uh, up at over two hundred and ten now. Yeah. So quite a big step up, even just in the last year. Wow. So <clears throat> let's talk about the legislation then. New new legislation is coming out all the time. So, for instance, HMRC recently rolled out the making tax tax digital for VAT. It's a sort of progression that we want to see as customers, but it must be an absolute nightmare for you guys staying on top of new legislation across, I guess, international borders. Well, the, the weird thing, and it's such a it's such a mixed blessing in lots of ways. So we don't we, we're very much focused on the UK. It's something that we've learned over the last uh, twelve years is that um, what we really want to do is is take a problem like small business accounting by which we also include um, taxation in that kind of problem set mm. unlike many other uh, other providers because we actually think it's one of the harder problems to solve uh, so, so that, that that contains us a little bit to the UK in the sense that it's hard enough staying on top of UK legislation let alone trying to create multiple tax engines mm. but the compliance thing is a big double-edged sword, really, because of course it's a pain when, when the goalposts are moved, but it does also mean that the product is, is super sticky with customers because it's a you know, keeping up with the changing legislative picture is doubly challenging for for, for you know for our customers and for their accountants, and so if we are sort of taking on that problem for them, then it makes us even more attractive as a proposition. So so there's. It's, there's swings and roundabouts there for sure. Yeah, which is, which is the whole idea. that That's why people buy into the whole uh, software as a service. Um, it's so that you guys are up to date, yeah. That's right. And in a way, you know, it's a sort of model where it would have been super hard to deliver if you're having to send out updates, CDs, or whatever people used to do back in the day because um, you just couldn't keep up with the, with, the, with the pace of change. 
and the, and the speed at which people can build tools now and, and continue to iterate them forward is you know is light years ahead of where um of where it used to be and so uh, and so it's a very competitive market in that sense. Yeah, and so to open banking. So banks can already connect to free agent. Let, let's get that clear. And customers can see an up-to-date bank feed through the software and, and are then able to explain each transaction. So what's changing in this regard for open banking connection? Well, so we've had that kind of capability in free agent for a while. And um, I mean, one of the things we do know is that having um, at least a daily feed of bank transactions data. So you said perhaps the previous day's transactions makes a big, big difference in the way that customers engage with the software. It becomes not something that you might get round to updating, you know, on a Sunday afternoon or once a month or once a quarter or even once a year. But it's something that you feel like is is, is a more daily um, activity because you can quickly log in, check in on what it was your invoice paid yesterday. Um, see what's gone out, and it ma- and it makes it much much more engaging on a on a daily and weekly basis. So it's a, it's a completely different sort of feel to using the software. I think yeah, much more of a real time uh, environment. It is, yeah. it is, and we we really want to try and get to actually is sort of completely real time. The sort of thing um, you you see with um, guys like Monzo nowadays, where you get a little a little text message or an alert indicating that you just completed the transaction. In some cases, uh, before it actually feels like the transaction has been completed. Yeah. <laughs> almost psychic and slightly spooky. But, um, but you know, that kind of level of engagement, immediacy in a, a product of any kind, let alone candy software, really drives a different sort of behavior in customers. So, um, yeah, that's, that's something that we've, we've had on a daily basis. Um, hi- historically, even before open banking, in, in one of two ways, really. One is having uh, specific arrangements with banks and we had a excuse me, historical relationship with Barclays Bank yeah. um, uh, for a few years and we had a, a daily bank fee from them and more recently uh, even prior to our acquisition by RBS we had a we, we had arrangements around a direct, direct direct bank fee so we had those and then for everybody else um, you could either download an electronic bank statement yourself in any of the sort of known formats or we would use um, a partner called Yodley who would do the collection of data on our customers' behalf. And, and that being at that time pretty much the only way to achieve that end, uh, people would put up with the fact that Yodley was a bit clunky and you'd end up having to enter your online banking credentials into their system in a secure way that would allow them to sort of fetch the transactions on your behalf. So what we have now with open banking is really a unified way of thinking about all those things in a way that the banks are happy with because there's enough security in there so that they can be comfortable with um, what's going on and is also at least in theory unified across all the banks so everyone has access and transparency of the data um, in a way that you only really theoretically have to implement once. So it's cutting out that middleman it's moving away from Yodley. It is and, and it's sort of um, you know I think it's one of these industry shifts where um, it may even be too early to tell the kinds of things that, you know, the kinds of applications beyond you know, what we're trying to do. Um, but it's a sort of um, uh, industry capability that could give rise to all sorts of other super interesting applications that, that people haven't even started thinking about yet. Well, 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 Free Agent has linked banking data from something called the CMA9. We should probably explain this to, to our listeners. And that's the nine strong group of, of the UK's biggest banks as uh, I think it's determined by the Competition Markets Authority as part of the Open Banking Initiative. 
Um, now, there are no startup banks in that list of nine because it's a, well, the situation's a little different for those guys, right? Well, the way, I guess the the interesting thing is to, is to sort of look a little bit at the, um, the history of open banking, I suppose, going a bit further back because you've got you've got a bunch of legislation coming out of uh, our friends in Europe, PSD legislation, uh, Payment Services Directive yeah. uh, back in the day, and then PSD2 more recently, which started to really drive towards this idea of how can we improve competition among the big banks who don't seem to be trying that hard. Uh, and that really happened in parallel with what the CMA were doing in the UK because they made the same observation, which is why is it that business banking or banking in general, actually, and business banking in particular, is so concentrated among these these, these big chunky banks, and 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 they came up with a whole bunch of different remedies to to, to that to that to that problem as it is for customers, and one of them was about data transparency, and so being be able to arm twist these banks to some extent, and I think it is kind of really against their against their um, their interest at some level um, to try to arm twist, be able to arm twist them into being more transparent with data that after all customers should own for themselves has been where all this has come from. So uh, you know a good thing for customers to have more transparent, easier access to this kind of data. And from a practical point of view, the, the challenger banks are already implementing open banking, so there's really no need to change any settings in free agent. Well, that's right. So you've got the CMA9 who have operated at various different speeds over the past little while in their implementations, but are, are sort of converging together now in terms of the capabilities that they that they have. And, um, and what's been really good to see, I suppose, is that challenger banks or, or, or banks outside the CMA9 are also implementing support for open banking because actually they see it as being a competitive advantage to be able to support open banking in a way that the legacy banks never really never really thought. But once you've got, you know, once you've got the majority of bank accounts accessible through open banking, it starts to look a bit weird and actually competitively negative if you don't allow that same access. So it's created the right you know, the right dynamic in the market there, which I think is, is really helpful. And obviously with new challenger banks coming in as well, you know, it's absolutely um, to their benefit for them to implement support for open banking so that the kinds of tools that people are starting to build can be easily built on top of their model as well as legacy banking models. Yeah, because free agent, uh, you've had, you guys have had an open API for many years, haven't you? Allowing third party providers to actually build integrations but now it seems uh, some of the, the challenger banks or startups are, are doing it the other way around perhaps that's right so anyway everyone the funny thing is you know you, you, you look at any any bank um strategy slides and you look at any startup strategy slides and there's always been a slide there with some sort of ecosystem and of course whoever's written the slides has themselves at the center of the ecosystem and everyone's sort of arrayed conveniently around the outside of them that's just that's just the way people think about things but the degree to which you can put yourself at the center of some ecosystem in some way, a lot of, you know, it, it's what determines in a lot of people's minds how successful you can be um, as, a, as a sort of platform in the market. So if you can persuade everyone to build your API, push data into you, pull data out of you, and do the work for you, then you don't have to do anything. You just have to sit there and everyone else sort of builds a whole uh, array of products and services around you. And so this idea that, you know, being as open as possible, allowing them to access your platform, being very agnostic about the sort of data you access is the key to success, is I think where almost everyone's everyone's arrived at in the industry. And that's and that's great. And there's a lot of 
really interesting products and services to be built of that level of openness. Yeah. So what do you think are the, are the challenges ahead for open banking and, and similar legislation in terms of offering a, a global software as a service solution? Well, I, I think open banking has not had a lot of impact from a consumer point of view uh, yet. And sort of people don't necessarily see the point because it's not like, you know, I, I think accounting Software is a sort of very particular case in point where there's such an obvious, uh, uh, um, where there's such an obvious advantage to having transparent access to bank transaction data because it's sort of the heart of the, the heart of the accounting ledgers. Mm. Um, but there's not really that many other obvious use cases for open banking. A lot of people think about. Um, a lot of people think about aggregating your multiple accounts together so that you can sort of see what's going on across multiple accounts. That is, it, that is a useful thing, but but really doing the work of building a picture of people's finances and being able to help them get the best out of all the different products and services that they have, you know, that, that system is yet to be built. And there are several companies uh, you know, having a good old go at, at, at building towards that. And that is in many ways the holy grail of what everyone's trying to do, but that's not around yet. So most people see open banking as a bit of a kind of technology and still in need of a solution. And most consumers don't yet understand what the possibilities might be until somebody shows them. So it's not been a spectacular success from a kind of, this is amazing, open banking's changed my life point of view, yeah, because there haven't really been the applications built on what is essentially uh, an industry-specific infrastructure piece. And we possibly haven't haven't sold it, the benefits properly from, from us guys in, yeah. inside of financial services, the speed, reliability, and security. Yeah, that's right. But nobody, nobody really cares about those things if it doesn't really deliver something to you that you couldn't do before. So... It's, you know, if you imagine where people are trying to get to in terms of everything, all of my financial information in one place, being able to move money around between different pots of things, not just bank accounts and getting tailored advice on what I should do next, given that, you know, my kids just just uh, gone off to university. Those are the kinds of things that people are trying to build and until that kind of utility is available, then this idea in theory, that there's all this transparency is is you know is of technical interest only in lots in lots of ways. Mm. Well, I, I'm glad to say I'm a very happy free agent customer myself. Um, are small businesses in in the minority, or do you find that it's larger businesses that use free agent? Can you can you share any of those? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we're very much focused on very tiny businesses. So, you know, we we talk about there are, or there were at least last year, five point seven million businesses in the UK, of which more than ninety five percent of them are what we call micro businesses, so businesses that are fewer than 10 employees in size. And in fact, 75% have no employees at all. There's this enormous concentration of very tiny businesses, uh, much more skewed towards that smaller end than most people expect. And that's really the market that we're interested in. Not so much, and people say, not, not, not so much small businesses, you know, we're talking about very small businesses. People say things like SME quite a lot. Uh, and that really doesn't narrow down. You know, we're talking about up to maybe 100 employees. And that's 99% of businesses. But that's such an enormous range of businesses to include small and medium size. It's such a catch-all, isn't it? Oh, it, it is. It's basically every business except, you know, except BP. And yeah. that's about <laughs> it. So um, the, 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 you know, the lifeblood of the UK economy is really um, very small businesses. There are just millions and millions of them. And that's the, those are the businesses that we're really focused on. 
um, the average number of you know, participants slash employees in, in, a, in a free agent uh, customer's business is 1.5. So it's really a lots and lots of sole traders, lots and lots of single person limited company, you know, typical IT contractor type limited companies, and a handful of businesses with an employee or two, which does really demographically rep- represent you know, the UK as such. Uh, and they're not that many, which are, which are large, primarily because that's, that's exactly who we've targeted it at. Yeah. And and the UK is such a rich uh, playing field for small business, isn't it? We're really one of the, the leaders in this respect. It is, and um, you know we've got you know, a lot of people um, complain a lot of the time about about red tape, and that, that you know they're, they're justified in doing that. But actually, in terms of getting started as a sole trader or, or even as a limited company, which is not not straightforward, but is not that hard. And so um, most people. Uh, find that quite a daunting prospect. I think that I think the prospect of relying on something that you've created for your own livelihood is the daunting part. The mechanics of it, you know, with a little bit of help, are, are typically not that hard. Which I think is in contrast to some other countries around the world where you know it can be can be tricky. Yeah. Well, I should say many thanks for for joining us today, Ed. Before we go, what's next on the uh, say twelve month roadmap for free agent? What are you guys working on at the moment? Well, we're doing a lot of interesting stuff. Um, you you'll might have known that we were acquired last year by the Royal Bank of Scotland Group. So um, RBS up here in Scotland and NatWest down in the UK, which is obviously one of the one of the, the big players in in the banking market. And that's been it's been an exciting time for us because we've sort of. Uh, we think about the size of the customer base that RBS NatWest have, which is you know getting on for a million businesses um, in their business banking channel, and probably quite a lot of businesses, frankly, in their personal banking channel as well, which is frowned upon, but is 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 reality. So getting in front of all those customers is super exciting for us because once you've reached that kind of scale of of, of market access, a lot of other things start to start to become possible. And the way we think about it is, you know, what, what's there to be built is really along the lines of what I was talking about earlier on, which is you want to try and find a way of using the data that customers are prepared to consent to share with you, that their, their current account, their bookkeeping data, you know, all in one place, and work out whether you can do something for them that you just couldn't do before without access to that data. How can you do something more cheaply, more personalized? more dynamic than you could do before. And so those are the kinds of things that we are looking to work with our colleagues at the bank to, to build. And being so close together as being part of the same group makes so many of those things possible in a way that you just couldn't imagine two third parties, two separate parties, you know, cooperating so closely to be able to build. So we find ourselves in a great great position to be able to, uh, to to build those things and really and really shift what's available in the market which is which is super exciting yeah collaboration is still a very valid buzzword i think and it's, yeah, it's such an effective one well many thanks again ed uh you can find more about free agent at freeagent.com Ed Molyneux touched on the opportunities for open banking to open up how FIs use customer data. I spoke to Jerry Moole about this a few episodes ago, asking him what lies ahead for building societies in making the most of new technology and legislation. Every time I do this, I'm, I'm slightly over-optimistic on, on the speed of change. But but, <laughs> but genuinely this time, I, I, I think there's, there's enough traction out there to, to expect um, to see see some, some, some quite big changes. You know, I, I, I think... Um, um, go back to, to my comment about open banking earlier. You know, the you know that that provides uh, the opportunity for societies to, uh, to 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 be able to use data in a very constructive way to make the journey much easier. 
you know, the, the vast majority of, 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 of um, the reason for building societies to be in existence is around the mortgage. And, um, you know, a process of uh, applying for a mortgage is a, is a long, arduous task. Um, and uh, just because there are so many people in that ecosystem, um, the sharing of data, the, the ability to um, move you know, across a uh, an ecosystem very easily and quickly, and, and trying to reduce an, an average you know, rate, uh, an average um, time scale can be up to sort of 40, 45 days to, to actually get that mortgage, and um, and, and using that um, uh, that data, persisting that data through um, dealing with different providers, whether that's the value, whether that's the solicitor, whether that's the uh, uh, the broker, to ensure that the customer only has to input data once, um, and we make. Uh, the journey much easier for that consumer. I think that's going to be the main focus. Just you know, because there are, there's so much more we can we can do. You can listen to that conversation in full at iedigital.com and by searching for episode three of the Shape of Money on Apple Podcasts. So the Great British Bake Off is back, and various ingredients are flying off the supermarket shelves across the nation. We're baking cakes, we're proving dough, and we're creating our very own showstoppers. We're also raising funds via the great stand-up to cancer Bake Off. The team here at IE Digital got down to some serious baking recently, and here to tell us more is Steph Barker. Is this the first year we've taken part in the fundraising, Steph? Uh, yeah, it is. This is the first time that we've done anything for Stand Up to Cancer. All right. And, and the general idea is that we bake amazing cakes and we bring them into work to sell them to colleagues. Is that how it works? Yes. So we published it internally and then people were able to bake their own goods or bring in shop bought if they didn't think they were up to baking anything. Oh, that's cheating, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, though, we only had two people that did that. So most of them were home baked uh, okay uh, so they came last on, on the list so so this is all for a great <laughs> great cause how many yes. cakes did we produce in the end do you know um we produced about 12 i think we had lots and lots of cake a lot more than we expected so it was a really good turnout yeah fantastic we we actually take part in many charitable pursuits at i digital what would you say makes this one stand out and and here's a challenge for you you're not allowed to say cake chocolate or bake-off all right so your challenge <laughs> starts now how does this one stand out for you i think it's probably bringing everybody together i think that's the main thing um, and everybody, although it was over cake, you know, that's a great thing that gets people to come together food, but it did mean that everyone came down to the kitchen and everyone bought their slices of cake and had a talk and then sort of went back to work. So it was a good thing that included everybody. So not only is it good for charity, not only do we stuff ourselves, but it's a great internal comms, uh, sort of strategic event. <laughs> Yeah, it's great for boosting staff morale as well, I think. Yeah, sound, sounds good. So we've got some upcoming charity events as well, haven't we? What, what's coming up? Yeah, so we've got um, Mental Health Awareness Week coming up in October, where we're going to do a whole week filled with lots of different activities for all of the staff um, to hopefully sort of bring create awareness around mental health and the issues that are there um, and just get people talking about it so that it's not a topic that people are afraid to talk about and discuss. Um, and then we've also got World Food Day, which is coming up, where we're going to be supporting local homeless charities. Fantastic. No cake on that one, I suppose. Not, not too much No, no stuff. cake yeah. on that one. So what, what, <laughs> what do we actually raise for, for Stand Up to Cancer? Uh, so we raised just shy of £300, which is really great, considering it's just for a bake sale. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, and 
And I hear that some people ate more than others. Yes. <laughs> but um, iDigital very kindly to match the contributions that we created from the staff. So, oh, that's so excellent. Yeah, our so total was 600. 300 pounds, yeah. No, it was, so it was 300. 300 um, in all, because, so 150 times yeah. two. That's brilliant. Yeah. So, well, thanks for popping in to tell us about the fundraising, Steph, and for letting us know about the upcoming events as well. Uh, for the listeners, we've posted a few photos across our social media channels already. So if you haven't seen them yet, check out our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds. And you can also find out more about the charity at standuptocancer.org.uk. Thanks again for listening and many thanks to Ed Molyneux of Free Agent and Steph Barker of IE Digital. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so you can stay up to date when new episodes are published and please rate and review us. If you have any suggestions for the show, people you'd like us to talk to or topics you'd like us to discuss, get in touch at marketing at iedigital.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time. On your marks. Get set. Bake.